So uh, here is the title of our interim sermon today, and it is run. I don't mean that in get out and go as fast as you can, though sometimes it can feel like it, right? No, run. Who here has ever taken part in an extended type of physical activity of some way, shape, or form? Some form of persistent uh, perseverance requiring athletic performance. You do, definitely. I've seen parades, right? Trust me. I used to march parades wearing a sousaphone, which was fun. Sousaphone, big old tuba that wraps around you. <laughs> Named for John Philip Sousa because he invented it to make it easier to march with, which I thank him for. Big tubas stink to march with. Like, that was just hard. Anywho. Uh, I have taken part in several different types of things that require uh, perseverance in my day. Though it's worth noting, I hate running. Just completely hate it. Uh, I used to participate in soccer and in wrestling in high school. And in each of these things, I only ran because of the fact that I was trying to get in shape for these particular sports. To just run for the sake of running strikes me as ridiculous. Like, why would anyone ever want to do that? Thank yeah, I know, I see you just, Right? Huh? Yeah, whatever. Those things come from things like cake, too, just so you know, right? I don't need running endorphins. I have carb endorphins. No? All right. What? Carb endorphins, my favorite kind. Now, I do other things that are actually relatively uh, hard to do and take time to do. I like to ride bicycles, and I ride them decently long distances. Not huge, but I'll go 30 miles, right? What? It's for a bike, that's not that bad, right? For people who don't ride bikes, it seems pretty bad. But for bike riders, people are doing like 100-mile races. And I'm like, yeah, no thanks on that one. Uh, but I'll ride bikes for a good while. This past week, I actually canoed for like four miles, and half of that was upriver, which... Thank you. Yeah. I'm very lucky the guy behind me knew what he was doing and did most of the work, probably. I'm sure at the end, Matt was like, are you sure you want to be doing this again? I'm like, are you asking for me or for you, sir? All right. Now, there's an interesting thing that you'll probably notice. Whenever you're doing things that are strenuous, but not strenuous to the point they will cause you to physically break down, a lot of the time, whenever you're moving forward, the concept of persistence and perseverance has less to do with what you're physically able to do than what you're mentally able to do, right? Your brain is what gets in the way. That's why running for me doesn't work. I could run on a soccer field and run the course like 15, 20 miles over the course of a game because my team was horrible and we just run back and forth the entire time. But I couldn't just stand on a track and run. It annoyed me. There was a mental block to it. I didn't like it. Sometimes our brains get in the way whenever we're trying to move forward persistently. And this concept is really important when you're talking about races. And why am I talking about races anyway, shape, or form? Because of this piece of scripture here. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, which is what we're walking through today. And it says this, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he's using a metaphor for athleticism to describe what his life is like as an apostle for Jesus. 
And this metaphor for athleticism, this metaphor for the race, was one they would be intimately familiar with. Do you know why people in Corinth would be intimately familiar with the concept of this kind of race? Huh? What? Uh, partially, yeah, you had to run away from them. No? <laughs> so the Olympics is sort of it. So the Olympics were held in Greece every four years, right? But every two years in Greece, there was another sort of type of games called the Ithmus Games. These were the games that took place on the Ithmus off of the island of Greece, which was actually, they were taking place in Corinth. These took place every two years. It was one of the three main types of large-scale athletic activities that took place in Greece. And there were three different types of wreaths or crowns people could get from running in these and taking part in these different types of games. And this was one of the special wreaths they could get, a prize, right? Now, these wreaths were made of things like pine garland, or uh, a lot of people, for some reason, have celery written within, but it wasn't a celery one. Like, you can tell that was someone in Old English was trying to talk through what they thought it was, but no, 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 no. They had an olive branch wreath that was for the Olympic Games. They had a, a pine garland wreath that was for this game, and they had another wreath from a different plant that was for another set of games that happened, and athletes would compete and spend their entire lives preparing for these. And one of the main events, one of the first things that always happened was the marathon, the long run, 26.2 miles, right? Based off of the concept of a person who was running to relay a battle that had occurred and explain what had happened to that battle, they were actually coming as a messenger to hearken, hey, we lost, right? And they ran to be able to announce it and then fell down dead at the end of it. So this one she consider this. They decided to do this race because someone died doing it before, right? People are weird. Now, marathons, they would be intimately familiar with because they would watch them. They would see them happen. And so whenever Paul's talking about a race here, he's not talking about a sprint. He's not talking about a 100-yard dash or a 300-yard dash. He's talking about a long-term, ongoing piece of race that takes persistence and perseverance and preparation to move through. You have to be prepared for it, and you have to be ready for the mental aspect of it or else you're going to break down, right? That brings me to the first point of today. Paul is talking about this as his role as an apostle, and that he has to persevere in this role. He has to run his life in such a way that he will not die earlier prematurely, but in such a way that he can also still finish the race, right? There's two ways you can go wrong when trying to run a marathon. One is the way I tend to go, which is eating everything you like and never running, right? <laughs> which means I won't make it to the end of the race, right? I will be underprepared, I will be tired, I will not be in the right shape to be able to do it, and I just won't make it, right? But it's possible to actually, you know, so I won't even start, I won't even try. It's possible to go in the wrong direction as well, and that is to go all out as hard as you possibly can and burn yourself out in the first mile and a half. Imagine if you tried to run a marathon at a sprinting pace. Most people can't make that. You'll die. Heart attacks happen, people. Paul likens his journey as a follower of Christ and a person called to proclaim Christ to the world as a marathon, meaning he has to move forward in it in a purposeful way. He has to move forward in it carefully, but he has to be persistent and maintained throughout it. He says this, don't you know that in the race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you could get the prize. If you just go for a sprint, you're not going to get that prize. 
if you never bother preparing or moving forward, you're not going to get it either. He's calling for wisdom and how we persevere through obstacles. Sometimes whenever we hit obstacles in our lives, what is our general thought? What do we sometimes do? Something hits. Do you ever just be like, well, this stinks. I give up. Drop, walk away. Yeah. Back up and just slam into it face first again. Probably not the best way. That's the bullheaded way. I know no one who does that. Uh, does anyone give up prematurely sometimes? Oh, this is hard. I don't want to do it. I give up. I quit. I'm not going to do it. Anna does that sometimes. I owe her $5. I owe my, I owe my daughter money every time I use her as an example in a sermon. Yeah. Right? She's going to make out when she's older. Huh? She actually sometimes will ask to listen to my sermon. Very rarely, very rarely, but every now and then she's like, what did you talk about? And I have to tell her at that point. Huh? No, no, no. The giving up thing wasn't that. She'll sometimes give up on homework and things. This is too hard. I quit. I don't want to do it. And we'll have to sort of be like, hey, huh? Shoe tying. This is, the, I give up. Pfft. All right, you've tried one time. I need you to try at least twice more. Sometimes our attitude is we're just going to give up. We can't do it. We quit. And sometimes our attitude, whenever we approach events in our lives that are hard, is we're just going to sprint at them as hard as we possibly can and bowl our way through them, right? Paul didn't do either. Paul was faithful and persevered through all the obstacles he faced. He moved forward through them in a purposeful manner, in a patient manner, with perseverance. Perseverance is one of the main things that the church teaches we need as followers of Christ as we move forward in our lives. We recognize the fact there are going to be times whenever things are going quite well, and it's like we're running downhill. And there will be times whenever it's quite hard, like we're rowing upstream. And there will be times whenever it's very, very uh, simple. And there will be times whenever it's very, very difficult. And our goal is to remain steady throughout all of those different periods in our lives, right? Not only did Paul say that you have to be persevering in the way in which you move forward, you also have to prepare yourself for these events. Paul uses the concept of physically preparing himself. He says that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He says that, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, not like a boxer fighting or beating the air. Boxing is one of the other events in the Isthmus games. He said that if you just run aimlessly, if you never actually run the course that you're going on, if you never actually pay attention to what you're going to have to deal with whenever you're running, you're never going to make it to the finish line. And if you're a person who actually excels at boxing, you will not just train against the air. You're going to have to train against other people, right? You have to put yourself into situations where you can learn and grow and get better. He uses this as an example to describe what he does not just physically. I'm sure there was some of it. That dude walked a lot. He had to swim a bunch of times, too. Shipwrecking will do that. He had to be able to last people beating him and hitting him and knocking him down. He had to be able to last through extreme hardship and difficulty. He had to be able to last through hunger and tiredness and pain. He had to last physically, but he also had to last mentally, right? In this example, he's talking more about his mental state and his spiritual state than his physical. How do you prepare yourself 
to live a life as a follower of Christ. Do you ever consider that? Do you ever stop and think, am I preparing myself to be able to be the person Christ has called me to be? Who here has ever thought that before? I'm preparing myself to be the person Christ has called me to be. Very few of us, probably, because we're not very good as people in general of being mindful of who we are and what we're doing and living accordingly, right? Who here spends time recognizing who you are and trying to improve that person? Good. That's you preparing yourself to be the person God has called you to be, right? We need to actually be mindful of what Christ has called us to as individuals, to what Christ has called us to as a body of believers, so that we can continue moving forward and preparing ourselves to do that over and over again, right? Let's just talk about this real quick. If you are called as a follower of Jesus to be able to teach people what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what is something you might need to know? Right. You probably want to know yourself what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you believe that being a follower of Jesus is understanding and knowing Scripture, what do you probably have to do? Yeah, you have to understand in the scripture and then put it into practice, right? So if you want to teach someone that it means to follow Jesus this way, you should probably know the things you're trying to teach them, right? If you want to teach someone how to parent appropriately, you probably have to know how to parent appropriately, right? And it's worth studying and learning and growing in it. If you want to teach someone that prayer is supposed to be at the center of their lives as Christians, what should you probably have at the center of your life as a follower of Christ? prayer, right? This all sounds quite easy and obvious, right? Aw, I made someone giggle. Whatever. Yeah. So, what? What did I do? What did I do? Great question. Anyone here got any answers to that one? No? All right. We're all learning. At the moment, all of our children appear to be fed appropriately, appear to be learning well. Huh? Yeah. Don't what? Don't break a sack of flour. That's Mike's main goal. Speaking of which, I'm going to throw my baby in Mike's arms before he leaves just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Catch! This is my third kid, all right? <laughs> I just remember the first time this is completely off subject, but I have to talk about it. First time uh, I was holding my first child, I was super careful and scared, and everything was wrapped up, and I had her all bundled so she couldn't kick and like kick out and whatnot, and I'm just holding, and I'm like sitting probably because I didn't feel comfortable walking and holding, right? Freaking out, right? Second kid, Audra. One of my elders was getting ready to start having a baby at one point. He was talking about this with his wife, and he was a little scared about the concept of holding kids. So I just grabbed my child, and I'm just like holding her with one hand, like, here you go, just take. He's like, ah, and I'm like, no, she's fine. They're fine. Floor's relatively soft, and they bounce pretty good. I'm joking. I'm joking, just so you know. But yeah, third kid. Catch. No? All right. Yes? Oh, goodness. <sighs> 10, 20. Think of it $25 right now between Anna and Audra and Anna. All right. Honey, I need to borrow some money. No? Okay. 
No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, Paul says. He actually physically prepares himself for the actions he's going to be partaking and undertaking. Ladies and gentlemen, as a congregation, over the next couple months, we are going to be preparing ourselves to welcome in guests, to meet people, to go out and proclaim the gospel as we move throughout our lives. We are going to hopefully be telling more and more people more and more about Jesus. I need you to be prepared physically, spiritually, and mentally for that concept. You need to be ready for it. And we need to practice now being the people that we are called to be whenever that occurs. How are the things that we're doing now as individuals not going to work whenever there's three times the amount of people sitting in this building? We should consider these things and consider how we're going to have to make changes to our lives, make changes to who we are, make changes to the way in which we fellowship with each other, make changes to the way in which we actually do things like our ministries, and we need to be ready for them. Be prepared. I will rely on many of you to help me teach other people who don't know a lot about Jesus what it means to be followers of his. I won't be able to do it all on my own. Jake won't be able to do it all on his own. The elders and the deacons won't be able to do it all on their own. We're going to need everyone. So we should be preparing now to be people who can proclaim Christ to people who need him. Does that make sense? Lauren, you got a face like I don't like this concept. Yell at me. It's okay. This is the very first time I have ever said that you have resting confused face at the moment. I know Creed said that at one point, but I have never noticed it until this moment. Okay. <laughs> oh, I like Creed. What? Resting what face? I got nothing. All right, we are going to wrap back in here. Wrap back in here. Whoop. Hi. Welcome. All right, that was my tractor beam sound. No? All right. We also have to have perspective. Yes, this is the first sermon I ever had where my points were alliterative. I never do this, but they just worked out super well. We have to have perspective as well. Why did Paul run? Why did Paul call for his people to run? So then in the race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, right? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Then he said this. People who are running in a race right now do it to get a crown that won't last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Our run is far more important than the runners who are running in the Olympics. Our lives have far greater weight to them than mere athleticism. There is something greater that is going to occur eventually. Our prize is not in this world. If we seek our prize in this world, we're going to end up not having one in the world to come, right? We seek instead that which will build what lasts in the world to come. I can take so much money with me to the grave. The answer to that is so much. No, it's none. I can't take any of it with me, right? What will follow me whenever I'm sitting with Jesus are the people I was able to affect, that I was able to speak life into, that I was able to proclaim the gospel to, and I will get to see the fruit of that labor whenever I'm sitting with him. And I'll get to realize that it wasn't all about me. 
It was all about him. I get to see how glorious he is because of what he's done through people. And through the people like us. It'll be beautiful. We have to keep our perspective whenever we're moving forward in our lives. This is why in Hebrews 12, the author, also speaking in terms of a race, said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because he is the prize that we're reaching out for. He is the one that we are striving towards. He is the one that we don't want to lose sight of. He is what matters. Who here has ever seen churches erupt into squabbles over little things that don't matter? Right? Do you know why that happens? We're looking for the wrong crown or we're losing perspective on what matters, right? We're focusing on what makes us comfortable, what we think will make our friends comfortable, as opposed to what will actually matter eternally. Whenever you focus on what matters eternally, little differences fall away. They just don't matter. You can walk past them because the thing that matters is what you worry about, right? Now, it's worth noting, this entire concept, I like to try and make sure things are cupped into context, and I had no actual good words that were alliterative with P's that mean context, so I just threw purpose up there. But really what we're talking about is context, sorry. And PPPC just didn't match as well. The context of this verse is super important because Paul is talking about how he's willing to uh, fight and give up for himself and focus on the end goal and strive for the crown that he is striving for, right? But it's probably worth noting, what is the race he's actually talking about? And that's this. This is the actual beginning verse, beginning portion of chapter 9, what comes beforehand. This is the context of the verse. Paul says that though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those I have not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. That is Paul's context. He is an apostle is willing to take on hardship and uncomfortability and difficulty, not for the sake of what he wants to see happen or what will make him happy, but for the sake of Christ and his gospel, that some might come to know who Christ is. As we move forward in the coming months as followers of Christ, we have to recognize that what we want matters less. What benefits those around us matters more. What brings glory to them matters more. What brings glory to him matters more. So prepare ourselves, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be stepping off into a race. It's going to be a marathon. It's going to be difficult and long. It's going to be a slog at times. Sometimes there will be uphill battles of it. Sometimes we may be in the depressions of it. Right now, I feel like if for a while we've been running uphill a little bit, right? I'm excited to see what happens whenever we reach the top of that hill and are running on a straight and narrow again. I'm excited to see what Jesus is going to be doing in the next months and years to come. Here's my request. Sometimes whenever things get scared, we want to run, right? You don't need to run from this. I'd like for you to run with us. 
If anyone has any questions, what it means to be a, por- a part of the body of City Church, please come forward and talk to me. I'd like to have that conversation with you. If anyone would like to be willing to say, I'm going to make a commitment to attempt to help build up the body of Christ in this area, please let me know. I'd like to have a conversation with you. Please, I'm going to have a specific conversation with at least a couple of you following the service today because I specifically want some of you to be part of that. Right? If I didn't talk to you, please don't, because I don't want you. It's because I already think you are part of it, probably. Does that make sense? Next week, we start a new sermon series. Next week, we step into what we can learn about Christ through the Old Testament. This is a wonderful time if people want to know what it's like to be a part of City Church, to welcome them out. It's easier to step into the beginning of a series than the end of one, right? Can you imagine walking into the last portion of last week's series? That was the first time you'd ever come? That'd be awkward, right? What are we doing? Random things that have never been taught about in Bible churches usually? All right, let's talk about it. If you don't get the whole context, it's sometimes difficult. We're starting up a number of things soon. We've got context and coffee starting up on Malone's campus. We've got this beginning. We're going to be working on setting up a new outreach ministry in some way, shape, or form. Stay tuned. But as you go, I want to ask you for one specific other thing. I want you to pray that we can be the people of God Christ has called us to be. That we can be ready to proclaim him in every situation. That we can be ready to preach the gospel in any way, shape, or form. And that we would be matured into Christ-likeness as individuals and as a body. Because we want to see him glorified in everything we do. Does that make sense? There's my verbal tick. You're welcome, guys. Let's take a moment. I want to spend about three minutes in prayer for us, for the community around us, for the people that we're reaching out to. We're going to spend a moment praying specifically that we would be the people Christ has called us to be and reach the people Christ has called us to reach. And then when we're done praying that, we're going to step into a time of communion together. All right, let's pray.